we're back for a new edition of Two Out of Three Falls here on the Cruise Control Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud.com. Thursday, December 29th, 2016. As always, I'm joined by Mr. Graham Matthews of Bleacher Report and the host of Russell Rant Radio. He's on Twitter at Russell Rant. Graham, what's up, my man? How you doing? Doing great, my man. Doing great, Randy. As always, looking forward to 2017. I thought it was a pretty strong week. I raw aside to close out the year in WWE, but uh, 2017 should be just as good, if not better. So, uh, ready to look back in the final week of WWE for 2016. Definitely, man. And, and finally, I saw earlier today that SmackDown defeated Raw in the ratings for the first time, I think, since the first week of the brand split. So, I think SmackDown ended off on a good note. Absolutely, I saw that, and I was like, I mean, I know a lot of people were hoping, oh man, SmackDown better beat Raw in the ratings this week, because it wasn't even close in terms of quality, and it almost isn't usually, but this past week, SmackDown was one of the best shows I've seen all year, from start to finish, one of the greatest pay-per-views, specials, whatever, I've seen all year, and uh, Raw was not even close, it was just a boring three hours, but yeah, I'm glad it finally shows in the ratings that SmackDown is better, I mean, granted, they had John Cena's return, and they can't always do better in the ratings, but... I'm glad it's starting to finally reflect in the ratings. The so SmackDown, in my opinion, has been the A show since the brand split it. And you know what? I think I think it should. It should continue. But, you know, who am I to say? But I think with, you know, John Cena coming back, we're, we're getting on the road to the Royal Rumble, AJ Styles as world champion. Um, you know, we also have new tag team champions on the SmackDown side, which we'll get to. But... I think on the up and coming SmackDown is the better brand. I have I have no idea why that is the case. When you when you you know hear Raw SmackDown, you would typically you know kind of figure oh Raw will be better than SmackDown. You know three hours, uh, more talent, cruiserweight division, Reigns and Owens and Brock Lesnar and whoever. But now you you kind of look on, on that side where SmackDown is at. It's like hey like. Why is SmackDown so much better? Maybe because it is two hours. It doesn't feel like it's dragging um, for, for three hours. But I think SmackDown, even though it did not reflect in the ratings, SmackDown has been the better show and the better product for, for far too uh, far too long. And you just kind of sit back and wonder, it's, you know, ratings aside, will how long will it take for Raw to really get over that hump and really feel like it's the better show and the better brand. I don't know whether it's going to be a Goldberg coming back or Brock Lesnar being there more often, but outside of that, I really don't know how Raw, watching at home or watching live, people can say it's going to be one day better than, than the SmackDown. That I'm not really sure about. That's exactly it. I mean, I'm not sure at what point does it come to that Raw is on the same level, if not better than SmackDown. And people are going to argue, oh, it's going to get better around WrestleMania season, but that really hasn't been the case in several years. I mean, around WrestleMania season, Raw is typically just as decent as it is now, if not a little bit better, because the fall traditionally sucks for Raw. But, um, I mean, it's going to be WrestleMania season for SmackDown, too, so I'm sure they're going to be bringing back, obviously, Cena's back full-time for WrestleMania. Taker should be back at some point. So that'll be counteracting, you know, Goldberg and Lesnar on Raw. So I, I honestly don't know, and like you said, it just continues to blow my mind. Just every single week consistently blows my mind that at the draft, we were saying, oh man, SmackDown's fucked. I mean, you look at their roster compared to Raw's, like you said, Jericho, Owens, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Balor, Brock Lesnar, and it's right. not even close in terms of star power. 
But Smackdown every single week, and yes, the two hours does make a difference, but that's not only it. It's just good writing, good feuds, great matches. It's just every single fucking week they beat them in terms of consistently entertaining you know, TV, storytelling, and whatever. So we'll see what it gets to in 2017 if we're all can pick up the pace and uh, start to get better, because currently I have no idea what they can do to get on the same level of SmackDown, because SmackDown's been killing it all year round. We did have the final Raw and SmackDown of 2016 this past week. Um, as we said, SmackDown defeated Raw in the ratings, and large, I think, large part uh, of that is the fact that John Cena did return. Um, had a, I don't know, if you want to call it heelish, but had a, a tweener-like promo um, in the beginning, where yeah, he did sound like, he did sound like a good guy, but also sound like a guy that, you know. Is still here. Does not want to give up. Give up that spotlight to the new era. Basically, he said, "This is still my my time, my era." Um, he's not really falling for what's going on with the young talent. Um, he did say that the he would like to challenge the winner of the triple threat match that happened later on uh, at the Royal Rumble, uh, which which is now going to be AJ Styles. He defeated. Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler in that triple threat match on SmackDown. So now we get John Cena and AJ Styles again for the third time, but this time for the WWE Championship um, at the Royal Rumble. One, I want to get your thoughts on John Cena's promo um, on SmackDown. And did you, was it shocking to you that he just said, you know what, I'm going to challenge the winner? Or did you feel like he was, he was going to be like, I'm going to put my name in the Royal Rumble? It wasn't really all that shocking that he announced himself as the new number one contender to the title. I kind of half expect that either that or he was entering himself in the Rumble, which is the path that I would have gone with. I don't know if many people would have cared, but I feel like that's what he should have done. Because in storyline, Daniel, I don't know if the match is officially set for the Rumble. I know they kind of strongly teased it, obviously, on Tuesday. I don't know if WWE has officially announced it yet. Maybe they'll wait until next week after he's done a contract. I don't know. But Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon in storyline would be fools to give Cena a title shot for literally no reason. He goes away for two, three months, does just has a show fail, the American Grit Show, which has failed in the ratings. And even before that, he, before he left, he lost to No Mercy. He got pinned by the current champion, AJ Styles. Right. We also lost to a Money in the Bank and SummerSlam. The guy's a loser in storyline, so for what reason? John <laughs> fucking Cena that he deserves a title shot. It just makes no sense. So, uh-huh. I, I don't know. I guess we'll see where it goes. I'm looking forward to the match because their matches were always great, but in storyline, it just blows my mind. Like, why the fuck would the guy earn a title match? He didn't do anything. So, I, I don't really know. But I thought the promo itself was good, though. I mean, I know a lot of people said it sounded more heelish than usual, but he's been doing that for years, so I doubt it's leading to anything. But um, I, I did like the new... I, I do like the serious Cena over goofy-ass Cena, which... Is never great, so uh, I thought the promo was good. The match makes no sense, but I still look forward to it anyway. Yeah, I thought the promo was was really good. It, it had your, you know, a, a, a tad bit of your John Cena, Doctor of Thugonomics character from back in the day. I know he's still, you know, John Cena would never would would never turn heel. Uh, I think we all can just put that to the side. But like you said, you know, us getting John Cena, AJ for the belt at the Rumble as it is now, um, kind of derails that whole notion that Taker might challenge AJ for the belt, and then Taker would win at the Rumble, then you get Taker Cena for, for the belt at WrestleMania, because I know John Cena's trying to tie Ric Flair's 
uh, 16 title reign record. Um, so if we're if we're just fantasy booking this, if if it remains AJ and John Cena at the Rumble for the title, um, is it better? Like, how do they implement um, Taker in this whole thing? Where because even on on SmackDown in Chicago, the fans were chanting you know Taker's name while Cena was doing that promo. So it's it's not like a big secret. But uh, if they go through with this match. How do we get Cena Taker for Mania and AJ still walking out the Rumble with the belt? And then who becomes that new contender if if it's not Cena or Taker for for AJ at WrestleMania? I'm disappointed they're not going that route with Styles Taker. I mean, I guess they still could. There's a chance that if Cena, and he probably, I mean, he's not going to lose the Styles for two straight times for no reason. He's probably more than likely beating him at a Rumble. It seems as predictable as when Rock beat Punk at the Rumble a couple years back, back in 2013. Um, but I guess you can have Cena beat him, and then you can use Taker, Taker Styles in a number one contenders match at the February paper. Yeah, I guess you could still do that, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's just they kind of missed the boat, and Styles Cena 3 is cool. But again, Cena did nothing to deserve a title shot. I'd rather have him win the belt at the Rumble than win the Rumble match itself again for a third time. I think people would probably riot, even more so than if Reigns won again. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess you could have Taker. You can implement them to all this by having them win the Rumble, which, again, I would not do. I know it's in Texas, but he already won a Rumble 10 years ago, also in Texas. So, I don't know. I guess that's one idea that the crowd wouldn't shit on, but I'd rather just have a fresh face winning like Balor or even like Rollins or something. I don't know. Just Taker winning it would feel just way too predictable to me. I mean, Taker Cena Mania is the path they should go in and a match I've been dying to see for years. Um, but I think Taker winning the belt one last time as kind of like a transitional as champion by winning the belt one last time at the Rumble before dropping it to Cena at Mania would have been a far better story than Cena getting a 16th championship at the Rumble and then successfully defending it against Taker at WrestleMania. So, I don't know. I guess there's th- that, that was the route that I would have gone in, but what they're doing instead isn't terrible. Well, you know, well, well, well like you said, you know, how does John Cena miss two months or whatever, come back, demand to, to, to challenge for the belt, and then get that championship match where, like, what if on the first SmackDown of 2017, Taker just comes out, you know, let's say Cena and AJ are talking about their match. Taker comes out and just kind of says, like, hey, you know what, you've been out for so long. How do you deserve a championship match? I, I was out here in November for Survivor Series, and I gave a warning to those who who, who, were, who would – you know, derailed the SmackDown team from winning um, at, at Survivor Series and say, you know what, what if we get a, a triple threat match between Taker, Cena, and, and AJ Styles? Taker wins, Cena feels some some sort of way that it should have been him and AJ one-on-one, and then you have them become into a program for WrestleMania. But at the same time, it's like, then, then, then what do you do with AJ Styles? Uh, I think that's the bigger question. If, yeah, you can have uh, Cena and Taker, but does... That match need to be for the championship. You can have that match one on one on some regular whatever, but then like still have AJ defend the belt at WrestleMania. So I think they have they have a lot of questions, a lot of directions. But um, somehow, some way, I'll be a little disappointed if Taker is not involved at all um, with AJ or John Cena as we lead up to WrestleMania. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the triple threat match is a good idea. That's definitely plausible. Just because I know Taker hasn't been around either, other than that one one-off appearance on November, uh, that 900th episode back in November. But I mean, I guess even he has a better claim to winning the champion or contending for the championship over John Cena. The last time we saw Cena, he was literally pinned in the middle of the ring by the current champion, which is why it makes no sense to me why he's the number one contender or. Seemingly, anyway. Whereas Taker, why I know, I, although I do know that he hasn't been around in many months, at least the last time we saw him prior to that SmackDown last month, he won at WrestleMania. So at least he has a win under his belt, unlike John Cena, who has been losing constantly to Dean Ambrose, Styles, essentially everybody over the course of 2016. So it makes no sense for him to get another title shot at the Rumble. Um, but yeah, as far as Styles go... Uh, as far as he goes, I mean, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but he's been having such a great year, undoubtedly the superstar slash wrestler of the year for WWE. So to not have him in a marquee match at WrestleMania, in my opinion, would be just so mind-bogglingly dumb to not have him in a top match of that show. And he should be defending the championship at WrestleMania for as good of a reign as he has had, for as great of a year, as phenomenal of a year as he has had in 2016. It would be a crime not to have him in at least one of the top three matches at the show. And as you said, Taker and Cena does not need the belt. You could put a, I don't know, a career versus career stipulation, I don't know, something like that on the line, and people would be just as interested in a Taker and Cena match. Whereas Styles is still going to have the best match in the show, probably either way. Um, but whether it's Nakamura, Samoa Joe, um, or whoever they bring in to face Styles at WrestleMania, it has to be a top-tier match in that show because the guy deserves at least that. They shouldn't give him another CM Punk treatment who reigned as WWE champion for the entirety of 2012 and was like on the fucking fourth match in the card at WrestleMania 29. So AJ Styles deserves way better than that at WrestleMania 33, especially in Orlando of all things too, where, you know, he grew up as a TNA guy. Yeah. I mean, it it definitely remains to be seen. Um, I think we are going to get Cena and Taker. It does not need the belt, but um, it'll be very interesting to see who becomes that number one contender for AJ's title because we do have the Rumble. We do have um, the Chamber pay-per-view after that. Then we do have Fast Lane after that. So uh, not too sure which one is SmackDown or Raw, but we do have a, a few pay-per-views uh, before we get to WrestleMania. So, you know, anything can happen. Um, also on SmackDown from this past uh, Tuesday, which is basically all championship matches, um, we do have new tag team champions uh, with... American Alpha defeating the Wyatts, uh, Slater and Rhino, and the Usos. Um, so now going into the into the new year, American Alpha are the new tag team champions. Do you think that we get a rematch with them and the Wyatts at the Rumble, and this reign gets cut short to be won again later on? Because we, you know, prior to that, the Hype Bros were supposed to have that number one contendership uh, match against the Wyatts. That did not, that did not happen with uh, Zack Ryder getting hurt. So now Alpha has the belts. How long do you think they are the, the tag team champions for? At this point, I would just keep the belts on them long term. I know I said a few weeks ago mm-hmm. that although they fell short on a few occasions in the past couple of months of becoming the number one contenders or even winning the titles alone, um, I would have put the belts on them by having them beat the Wyatts at WrestleMania. But at this point, now that they've won the belts, which I have no problem with whatsoever with, with them winning the belts in the final SmackDown of the year, it was a cool, unpredictable moment. The crowd treated it as a big deal. Jason Jordan is from Chicago, so their entire family, I think for both guys, Chad Gable and Jordan, were in the crowd. It was a really cool moment. They came out during intermission. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. So, And I know the Wyatt family had their reign cut short of like two weeks. 
Um, Bray Wyatt's first title reign cut short of two weeks, and they've been a great heel trio or babyface tween or whatever over the last couple of weeks. So that, that kind of sucks. But as long as they don't split them up anytime soon, I'm content. But as far as American Alpha goes, at this point, it, I feel like it would be kind of a waste. And I, I guess kind of transitioning the belts back and forth is one way of freshening up the division. But it would have just been a waste if they put their belts right back in the Wyatt family at the Rumble. Uh, I think it was better they did it this way by having them win the belts in that four-team match on Tuesday and then having them do the rematch of the Rumble, whereas American Alpha winning the belts of the Rumble would have been just a lot more uh, predictable. So that being said, I would just keep the belts in American Alpha because now you have a rematch with the Wyatts. You have a match with the Hype Bros since they never really got their title shot. When they get back, when Zack Ryder's cleared, you can do that match. You have the Usos. You could possibly do the Revival if they're called up to SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And there's the Ascension, Brazongo. You have Vaude Villains who don't really mean much. But, I mean, there's just so many matches you could do with all those teams right there. Slater and Rhino before they split up. And American Alpha's fucking awesome. So, um, hopefully they're champions for the long haul. And maybe this was not the ideal program because of the injury to Zack Ryder. So, um, you know, me seeing them teasing a little breakup within the Wyatt so early. And, you know, like you said, they just won the tag team titles three weeks ago at TLC. And we're still in the same month and we're getting a little dissension with, 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 with Randy and, and Luke Harper. So maybe if they would have held that off until mania time, February, March, you started seeing some dissension. Then they, Drop the bells to like an American Alpha at WrestleMania would have made a lot more sense. But um, with Zack Ryder going down with the injury, we have no idea what the original plans were. But um, regardless, American Alpha are the new tag team champions. Um, maybe the Wyatts get their rematch, you know, this week um, or even at the Royal Rumble. I think saving it for the Rumble and then doing your normal two on two match. At WrestleMania uh, on a bigger stage, uh, bigger stage for American Alpha wouldn't make sense. But hey, Bray Wyatt was a champion for three weeks, and I'm like, hey, when he tagged when he tagged with Randy Orton, they won their matches. When Orton won a tag up with Luke Harper, they lose. So maybe next time Bray Wyatt will get get in the fucking ring and defend <laughs> the tag titles. Yeah, I know. Like you said, I mean, I feel well. I think the biggest thing about the title and was the fact that it was. Luke Harper, that was not, no, I'm sorry, Randy Orton was the one that was pinned, not Luke Harper, who was involved in the match. And that yeah. was huge. I mean, the title in itself was awesome. But the fact that that they pinned, I think it was Jordan, or I forgot who, which member of American Alpha it was, but they pinned Randy Orton clean in the middle of the ring. No interference, none of that shit. Right. It's just a clean pin on Randy Orton, a former 13-time, whatever the hell it is, world champion, um, was huge. So, yeah, like you said, I think it's going to tease some tension with Harper. I don't know whether they kick him out or who goes face, who goes heel. As long as they don't split up the trio itself anytime soon, I'm content. I think Orton Wyatt with Orton back to being the babyface and Wyatt being the heel at WrestleMania would be the worst-case scenario. Just because we literally just saw that two months ago, and it sucked and no mercy. So I hope they don't go back to that. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes, though. And Eric Rowan should be cleared hopefully in the next couple months. I guess we'll see on that front, too. We're chatting with Graham Matthews here on Two Out of Three Falls on the Cruise Control Podcast. Um, next week, we get The Miz and, De- and Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, I told you this last week that if I was booking this, I would have had I would have The Miz lose the Intercontinental Championship either before the Rumble or at the Rumble, go in the, in the Rumble match and win that to be the 
contender for AJ Styles. But they're doing this on the first SmackDown of the new year. Do we see Dean Ambrose become Intercontinental Champion again, or does the Miz's uh, current reign continue? I know we were talking about WrestleMania before, and there's really no notable match. There's no one match that stands out to me as the match they should do with Ambrose at WrestleMania. Like, he does not stand out to me as one of the main guys they'll put in a marquee match at WrestleMania this year. Unlike in past years where he faced, you know, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 32, and the fact that he's kind of been the baby face, the top face on SmackDown mm-hmm. for the latter half of 2016. So that being said, I think putting him in a good IC title match wouldn't be the worst idea. I think uh, he didn't really have much of a run with it earlier this year before he dropped it. Uh, Kevin Owens in like two months' time. So having him give it, get another run would be fine. There's really no one else in the show that would benefit more from winning that title right now than Ambrose, other than maybe Benjamin when he gets back from injury, whenever that might be, hopefully soon. But yeah, Ambrose winning the belt, not maybe this Tuesday, that might be a bit too soon. But as you said, holding off until the Rumble, losing the belt that night, and then going on to win the Rumble, I think, would be awesome. Um, especially since, other than Taker and, God forbid, you know Goldberg or Brock Lesnar, there's no one name that jumps out as winning the Rumble. Mm-hmm. So as we've talked about before, I think Miz winning it, going on to face whoever the champion is, hopefully AJ by that point, what I think would be, no pun intended, awesome. So it's definitely a possibility. Um, I think Ambrose would be the one guy, other than like an Apollo Crews, but we've already seen Miz beat him like several times before, so... Um, but yeah, I think Ambrose winning the belt is definitely a possibility going to WrestleMania season. I think the only guy he can go into WrestleMania and have a decent match with for the IC title, if if Dean Ambrose wins the belt prior to the Rumble um, and all that, I think maybe like I don't know. I know Bray Wyatt said in in, a, in an interview that you know now that he's the tag team champion, it'll be easy for him to take the IC title off of the Miz could, you know, that that'll be too easy for him. So maybe Bray Wyatt singles winning, winning the IC title, um, down the road will be something, uh, great for him. But like you said, if you're trying to book this now and where Dean Ambrose stands for WrestleMania and even the same thing with Roman Reigns is like, okay, you can go into the rumble against KO, but then like, if you, if you don't walk out as universal champion, what the fuck are you going to do with, with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? Even that is not 100%. So um, they do have a lot of holes to fill up to WrestleMania. I know we're like three, four months out. But, you know, you got to start thinking, like, where are you going to put The Miz? Where are you going to put Dean Ambrose? Where are you going to put Bray and Randy Orton? Where are you going to put John Cena? Um, you know, Baron Corbin, you know, uh, Kevin Owens. So I think with this match coming up, Next week with The Miz and Dean Ambrose, can I see The Miz retaining? Yeah, but then if Dean Ambrose goes over, uh, I don't think it'll shock a lot of people. No, I don't think so either, as long as it means something for The Miz. I think that's really only the case. As long as Miz loses the belt for a reason and he only moves up and it's not like, oh, we're taking the title off of him because we have nothing else for him, that would be worst-case scenario. So I hope they, if they do take the title off, whether it be on Tuesday or at the Rumble or wherever, um, it frees them up for a main event run, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, and, and what do you do with Dolph Ziggler <laughs> at WrestleMania, right? <laughs> that one, that's the thing. Like, even like Ambrose, I feel like, is a bigger priority. Like Ambrose, and I think you said Corbin. I think Ambrose and Corbin, I don't know if that's a WrestleMania-worthy match, but it's really the only match to me that makes sense. And Dolph Ziggler, holy shit, like I could care less, honestly, because I know, I know he had the whole thing with The Miz going for a couple months, which was a great feud, but it's like... 
and he's he's definitely gone. I'm telling you right now, this is my bold, not even really a bold prediction, but then my prediction for 2017 is that Ziggler will be leaving the company by the summer of this year because I just do not see him sticking around. There's literally nothing left for him to do. So unless he goes heel anytime soon, which I guess they could, we've already seen him and Ambrose a million fucking times. So I don't know, but yeah, as long as Ziggler, he could be in the Battle Royal. Let's let's just say that I hope he ends up in the uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I mean, like, could you imagine if like Baron Corbin wins the Battle Royal last year, and then freaking like James Ellsworth wins it this year? <laughs> like total reversal. Surprised me, given their persistence to push this guy for some odd reason. Yeah, and you know what? For the record, that triple threat match on SmackDown with Corbin, Dolph, and AJ, I thought I thought it was great. I thought it was. I mean, yeah, the entire SmackDown uh, show was great, but I think that match, um, you know, everybody everybody shined. Uh, you know, Baron Corbin did his thing. He had that that moment with Dolph and AJ, kind of tag team against Corbin on that table uh, table spot. Um, it was that end of days and uh, zigzag at, at the same time. So to close out uh, SmackDown for 2016 on that on that high note on, on that kind of match, I think all three did a uh, did a, a freaking great job. So I think Baron Corbin's ceiling is very high. I don't know what they do with uh, with Dolph Ziggler. It, it'll remain uh, remain to be seen. But hopefully something good would be for him. Whether it's a character change, turning him heel, just just kind of changing some things up. But um, like I said, man, what do you do with him at the Rumble? What do you do with him at WrestleMania? Man, I, I, I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. I think the, the picture, for the, or rather the card for WrestleMania, kind of becomes a lot more clear coming out of the Rumble. But we have the same questions every year, and a lot of these guys, unfortunately... I mean, especially with two brands, you can only do so many matches at WrestleMania. Like, this year we had, like, what, a dozen fucking matches, and they did them all mostly on the kickoff show. And at that point, no one cares if no one's even in the arena. Like, Kalisto and uh, Kalisto and Ryback this year was a train wreck because no one was there to see it. Mm. It didn't even really happen. So here's hoping they can build up some marquee matches. I mean, even with some of these guys, you could do interpromotional matches because it is WrestleMania. True. Uh, not with every match, obviously, but you could do Ambrose and... Roman or something like that. I don't know if you wanted to do one Raw and SmackDown match. So there's a couple different possibilities, but I hope, like I said, bottom line, I hope Miz and Styles moreover than anyone else from SmackDown get a top-tier match at WrestleMania at, uh, in Orlando at WrestleMania 33 this year. If you can pinpoint right now, um, within the company, how many, to to them, how many matches you think in their in their mind, on their board, do you think are solidified for WrestleMania, and then if so, what match do you think that right now in December we're going to see in April? Is it Goldberg Brock? Do you think that's the only eighty percent chance match of happening? Is Cena Taker a different match? Yeah, those are really the only two matches I see being set in stone. In addition to uh, Triple H and Seth Rollins, so Triple H Rollins, true Goldberg Lesnar. Cena Taker. Other than that, I'm sure they don't, not that they don't care, but I'm sure nothing else is as close to being a top priority. Because again, I feel like Styles should be a top priority. Whether it's Joe, Nakamura, whoever, whoever they might call up, or even a Kurt Angle, who I heard might be back around WrestleMania season, yeah. or for a Rumble appearance. Styles and Angle would be fucking lit at WrestleMania. So, again, they got a couple different options, but um, yeah, I think as of right now, those are really the only three matches I think in their mind are set in stone for WrestleMania 33. 
Yeah, and, and you know everything remains to be seen of what what Kevin Owens is gonna do. I know we, we, you know he has reigns at 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 the Rumble, but do you think Kevin Owens walks into WrestleMania as Universal Champion? Uh, I mean, I mean, I guess it's another match they they should they have to do. I mean, they have to do this one. They have to do Owens and Jericho at WrestleMania because if they weren't gonna do it at the Rumble, which they probably should have or could have. And they have to do it at WrestleMania. They can't just do it at the February pay-per-view. That would be just a waste. And um, imagine Jericho at this point is sticking around through WrestleMania. So they have to do it at WrestleMania. Otherwise, there's no point not doing it at the Rumble and doing fucking Owens and Reigns for the millionth freaking time. So um, probably Owens and Jericho, but is that the title match? I think is the real question. Um, it better not be Lesnar and Goldberg for the title. That just makes no sense mm-hmm. at all. That's the match that doesn't, need to, that doesn't even really need to happen, but whatever. But uh, it shouldn't be for the championship if it is going to happen. But I mean, Owens and Balor is another is another match we've discussed before. I just don't know if Balor will be cleared. I think there's a better chance of him coming back tonight after WrestleMania. But um, yeah, either Owens and Balor, Owens and Jericho would both be two very good title matches, in my opinion. I just don't know how likely it is he walks into WrestleMania as champion. He's definitely not main eventing. I can almost guarantee you of that, though. And best scenario for Reigns is what, like Braun Strowman or something like that. That's what I heard earlier. I mean, not, not that I heard, but I hear, I've, I've been hearing people say that, that there's a chance that we could see Roman and Braun at Mania, which kind of scares me because we saw Rollins and Braun on Raw, and they're kind of keeping Reigns and Strowman apart after teasing it last week, which makes me think we might be seeing that match at Mania. If that match happens for the world title, would be fucking the drizzling shit. Oh, I hope that does not happen because that would be terrible. Um, but if they want to do the match for the U.S. title and put the belt on Braun, I'd be fine with that. That'd be a decent match. I mean, the match might not be good, um, but as long as Braun wins, if they have Reigns be the one to beat Braun, that would be just stupid, in my opinion. Um, I guess you could also have Zayn be the... I mean, if he lastly eliminates Braun from the Rumble and do Owens and Zayn at WrestleMania for the belt, that would be pretty sweet. I don't know how high up in the card it would be. Um, I just don't I don't think that's going to happen, but it's a possibility. But, yeah, Reigns and Strowman, to me, as a match, is not all that compelling, but if they did the match for the U.S. title... To get the belt on Strowman and had Strowman win, then I like it. Otherwise, I'm not a fan. And at this point, you can you can you know probably almost see Charlotte and Bailey for the title at WrestleMania at this point, right? Uh, I mean, they're doing it at the Rumble. The thing is, is that they oh, did it last man. week. They yeah, did it this week, not really. I mean, they kind of did with Dana Brooke as a special guest ref. They'll probably do it again at the Rumble. Um, I think at this point, the best thing they can do, they already did Banks, Bailey, and Charlotte at Clash of Champions. They're already running through all their major matches. Yeah. So I have no idea what they're going to do with the women. I mean, I guess you could do a four-way with Becky with the four horsewomen, but I I just honestly don't even really know. So I guess we'll see. But uh, I think Bailey, Bailey and Sasha is the match they should have done. It doesn't look like they will, but uh, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Come around. I mean, I guess they could always put the belt on Bailey, but... Uh, I don't know. They already changed about 500 friggin' times, so I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, you did mention Becky. She um, had the rematch with Alexa Bliss on SmackDown for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, Alexa Bliss did some shit with her arm that uh, I, you know what? I'm at home and I'm like, oh <laughs> shit! She just broke a fucking broke a fucking elbow, broke an arm. And then she put that shit right back into place, and I'm like, "Oh, that, that was <laughs> that was pretty cool." So, um, I mean, it was a decent match. Uh, Could have been a lot better. Then we had this uh, La Luchadora 
lady come out and we still don't know who who is that going to be down the road uh probably probably the next program becky lynch is gonna go into but um alexa bliss still your women's champion um don't know what she's gonna do at the rumble if 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 anything but um she's still champion i think she'll be champion for for quite some time i think becky chasing um is the better story but now she might go into her, her program with this person under that that mask and costume. So everybody was like, oh, who was that? Who was that? And it was funny when the reporter asked Alexa, um, Alexa, who do you think that is? That she said, oh, it, it might be Sasha Banks. But then again, it, it might be Nia Jax. Uh, I think her character is evolving uh, on, on, a, on a funny side. On a not on a not so funny side. So um, her being a champion, I like it. I dig it. Uh, have no problems with it. Who do you think? Do you think the storyline turns to who do you uh, who was under the mask, um, trying to uh, make Becky Lynch lose the championship, and who are the possibilities of that person might be? Yeah, like you said, I totally agree. I thought the match itself was all right. It really wasn't anything that special. Their in-ring chemistry is not great. Their matches throughout the feud have been pretty decent to good. Nothing too amazing. But uh, I think the real talking point coming out of the match was the La Luchadora thing and who it possibly could be. And the best part about it is that no one really knows. Like, with the Becky Lynch thing the week prior, it's like, okay, everyone knows this, this is Becky Lynch. Whereas with this, you, even looking at her, like, they got a quick, quick close-up of her in the mask of the woman, and they showed her eyes, but... People still don't know. People are saying Tamina, which would be the absolute worst-case scenario, and I hope that is not the case at no all. Um, Deanna Peraza, who we saw a couple weeks ago, is also really good and rumored to be coming in soon. Could be her, Nikki James, but she just passed her physical. I mean, it could always be someone else under the mask, but they could spot Nikki in there if they wanted to later on, so that's a possibility. Eva Marie, Naomi, which, again, would be just wouldn't make any sense, or maybe not. So, I mean, there's a couple different options they could go with if they wanted to. I hope it's not like as disappointing of a payoff as Natalia being the one who attacked Nikki Bella because that was pretty lame. I mean, they followed it up pretty well with Natalia's promo last week, which I thought was great. Um, but Natalia being the one who attacked really did not excite many people. So I hope they could do this storyline better. And uh, who it could be? I mean, like I said, I would love it for, me to, for it to be Nikki, do a Becky-Nikki feud. That would be pretty awesome. Um, but as you said with Alexa, to kind of concur with what you said, she's been a great champion. She's a great character. She's improving as a wrestler, and she's getting better every single week. She's progressing just immensely every single week as a performer, and she's really been the MVP of the women on the SmackDown side since the draft. So I'm kind of intrigued and kind of on all fronts with the women right now on SmackDown, and we'll see who's under the mask hopefully in the next couple weeks. One thing, I think they'll keep doing that La Luchador angle with somebody different every week, and then, like, the, the final payoff could be, like, to me, it's, Mickey James being that that final person um, being revealed as her all along or quote unquote all along um, would be cool because seeing her and Becky Lynch in, in the ring one on one was like I mean it could be like wow it, you know it could be freaking amazing because she was when she did her NXT Toronto match with with uh, with Oscar you know maybe some people were like oh Mickey James she's like in late thirties does she still have it uh, we haven't seen her in in a WWE ring in quite some time. But I thought she had a, a pretty good match with Asuka. She held her own. Um, and seeing her in a program with Becky could be could be kind of cool because once they do that reveal and if it's Naomi or Tamina, you, you know, outside of Eva, Eva Marie, it's going to be like, oh, really? 
that's who it was the, the entire time. Even, even Marie does make sense because she always dodged a bullet from Becky Lynch before uh, a few months ago before the suspension. So either her or Mickey James, uh, I would not mind being as like the person under the mask. Yeah, even Maria, as you said, I think makes the most storyline sense. I don't know what Mickey's motivation would be, but just to get Mickey in the mix, I think would be great. I mean, it was rumored weeks ago that she was slated for the SmackDown brand, and I think um, Raw's pretty right. I mean, I know a lot of the women are out hurt right now, like Paige, Summer Rae, and um, somebody else like that doesn't come to mind that I think is out currently. But there's a bunch of other people on that show that are just not currently active. Whereas SmackDown, their division's great, but I think another adding another fresh face to the mix to feed Becky or whoever would be awesome. So, um, yeah, hopefully it's Mickey or Eva. I know Eva is like a stark contrast to Mickey in terms of in-ring ability. But as you said, in storyline, it would make sense because before she got suspended, she was dodging Becky every single week. And um, I like that as a, as a kind of an interim view to keep Becky busy when she's not chasing the championship. So, yeah, there's a couple different possibilities. As long as it's not Tamina who fucking sucks and that just I just have no interest in that whatsoever, then I'm completely content. All right, Graham, this is where I ask you um, your favorite matches and pay-per-views and whatnot of 2016 because there were quite a few pay-per-views this year, so quite a few great matches. So um, just off the top of your head, let's start with your top two, top three or if you have one, uh, pay-per-views of the year. Just main roster? Um, I mean, like, yeah, yeah just the main roster. But if you, if you want to throw in the an NXT in there, go, go right ahead. Okay, so my three favorite main roster pay-per-views, and I'll keep NXT separate. For the main roster shows, there weren't a lot of great ones. Mm-hmm. There were some pretty good ones, not a lot of great ones. Um, I would have to put Money in the Bank and Battleground in there. Both shows were awesome back-to-back in June and July, respectively. Money in the Bank had uh, Cena and Styles won. Reigns and Rollins, a great Money in the Bank ladder match. You can't go wrong there. And then Battleground had the Shield triple threat. They had uh, the awesome six-man, Cena, Enzo, and Cass versus the club. They had Bailey's main roster debut, Zane and Nolan. So, again, you can't go wrong with that show. Okay. And then I'm going to go off on a women's say Extreme Rolls was also really good. And RJ and I were there for that show. But I'll say TLC, because TLC was a friggin' great show, start to finish. Not a bad match in the entire show. Absolutely. And uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. But TLC's probably one of my favorite shows of the entire year. I wish I could have been there for that one. But, uh, yeah, so I'll say TLC, Money in the Bank, and Battleground. Maybe not necessarily in that order. And then for takeovers, for the NXT shows, all four takeovers this year were awesome. Every single one was amazing. Um, but I would say favorite slash best for me, I'm biased, is uh, we were both there, but uh, Brooklyn, too, I thought was just phenomenal. So yeah. Brooklyn, super takeover. Toronto was great as well, uh, as was the end in Dallas. But y'all say uh, takeover Brooklyn, too, Battleground, Money in the Bank, and TLC. Uh, if I had to pick a, a NXT pay-per-view, I would say the one in Brooklyn just because I was there. Um, seeing Nakamura win the title. Um, I mean, man, I, I, after the match... I, I took a video of, like, people walking in the hallways. Mm-hmm, yeah, doing, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, doing a whole sing-along. And I'm like, wow, like, this this shit is amazing. Like, they they just 
it just wouldn't stop. They really went on for like 10, 15 minutes. I didn't take the whole thing, but I take like a good three, four minutes, and they just kept walking and walking and singing, and, and it just shows the impact that Nakamura has uh, has um, on the fans. So I would say NXT Brooklyn 2 um, for for an NXT pay-per-view, and I say on the main roster, I would say TLC. Um, I told you, out, you know, if it wasn't for TLC, I would have said I would have said the last great pay per view I told you this before, top to bottom, was WrestleMania 31, and now I for since uh-huh. you mentioned Money in the Bank and Battleground, someone like me has to go rewatch those to see how they compare to WrestleMania 31 or TLC. But uh, I think TLC top to bottom, you know, e- even No Mercy was good. No Mercy had that that Dolph Ziggler uh, Miz match. Um, mm-hmm. it was AJ and, uh, who was it? No, it was AJ and Dean. Ambrose. Oh, yeah. It was AJ Dean and, and John Cena in that triple threat match, which kicked off no mercy if, if, if I'm not yep. mistaken. So, um, I, I would definitely say TLC as the number one main roster pay-per-view and NXT Brooklyn two, um, for that side. Um, what do you feel like was the biggest disappointment of the year, whether it's uh, a title change, somebody not getting uh, enough um, opportunities, people coming into the company and them just not really, you know, them just faltering, not getting uh, that shine. What do you think is the biggest disappointment this year? Uh, I think there's a lot of things you can say for the disappointment of the year. Try try, try to narrow it down. (laughs) I think uh, 2016 in the whole was uh, a great year for WWE. There's a lot of disappointments as well. I mean, you could say the Cruiserweight division and how they kind of handled that thing. I mean, it's getting better now, but at the get-go, it was not handled the right way. Um, but it's hard to see the Cruiserweights when we had the Cruiserweight Classic, which was fucking awesome. So um, not really then. The club was a big disappointment. Not anything to do with really them, but the way that Gallows and Anderson have been used since the draft has been just criminal. Um, but I would say what takes the cake, not really one person or one thing, but I would say one show. And I'm going to say WrestleMania 32, because I think high hopes were kind of held by everyone going into that show, myself included. But, I mean, coming off of that TakeOver Dallas show, it's kind of hard to top that. But it didn't even come close. I mean, that entire WrestleMania was all about moments. Like, falling off the top of the cell, like, whoop de doo with Shane McMahon. Or the WrestleMania meeting between Roman Reigns and Triple H was a complete forgettable match. Uh-huh. Or the only real good thing from that show was that triple threat women's match. And we had better women's matches after that. So, I don't know. I think, that, I think WrestleMania 32 might be the biggest disappointment all year. Either that or Goldberg and Lesnar, which was a 90 seconds long. And I know you enjoyed it, but I just, I know personally, I just <laughs> was kind of not happy with it. But I, I would go with WrestleMania 32 personally, though. What? I would say the worst pay-per-view of the year was was, was Roadblock. Um, I think Roadblock was worse than WrestleMania 32. Now, the only thing I would say in defense of WrestleMania 32 was the amount of injuries that they had uh, going into that pay-per-view. I could be wrong, but hold up. I think I have it right here. There was no Seth Rollins, no Cesaro, no John Cena. Tyson Kidd been injured for like two straight years. Uh... No Neville, no Nikki Bella, no Randy Orton. So, and they, I'm not even sure if they had Bray Wyatt have a match. So, when you put that into perspective, that's eight, nine people 
not even on the card that that you are going to see on the card this year, which I think that you know this is why WrestleMania three three WrestleMania thirty three has the potential to be um, one of the better WrestleManias because top to bottom bottom they have so much talent, and we just don't know what they're gonna do with all of them. So Seth is gonna wrestle, Cesaro is gonna be there, John Cena is gonna be there, Nikki Bella is gonna be there, Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt. So yeah, I agree. WrestleMania 32 was not great, but if it, you know, it has that asterisk where a lot of guys, a lot of females, were not healthy. So I think you have to put that into a little perspective, Graham. Oh, that is true. I mean, that's absolutely true. I think it was one of those WrestleManias that going into it that we had so many injuries that we kind of knew that it wouldn't be as stacked as WrestleMania 30s and 31 were, which I thought were two of the best manias that we've seen in at least a decade, but I think going into that show, there was just a lot of excitement. A lot of people were really looking forward to that mania. And, I mean, even putting aside TakeOver Dallas, you had a lot of main events or just matches on that show that just did not deliver. Like, the ladder match, which was great and it was really entertaining, Zack Ryder winning was a moment. Like, it went on to to literally just mean nothing if he dropped the belt the next night. Mm -hmm. Reigns and Triple H was pretty much as bad as people thought it was going to be, but Taker and Shane which people was probably the most anticipated match in the entire show, sucked. I mean, Shane's performance, I just thought, was not good at all. And then he lost, and then he ran Raw the next night anyway, and he's been back ever since. And I love Shane, but why the fuck have him lose? So I don't know. I just thought with a lot of that, a lot of matches on that show, um, it just, I mean, even Brock Lesnar and Dean, which a lot of people were looking forward to, myself included, was just kind of disappointing. So um, I don't know. I just think they could have made the most of what they had on that show because they did have star power. They still had The Rock who literally just did nothing other than come out and bury the Wyatt family. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. Him and Cena buried the Wyatt family and calling them the eater of hot pockets and it was just terrible. With a flamethrower. Um, what did you say? The Rock The Rock came out with a flamethrower. <laughs> yeah, that too. Just, I don't know. Just, uh, just a very disappointing show. Like you said, he did have the star power that other manias did but I think going into it people thought okay, they can make the most of this with who they have and they tried to and it was a great card on paper, but in execution, I thought it was really poor. But as you said, hopefully WrestleMania 30, it's got to be better. 33 has got to be better with uh, everyone they have on tap. Now throwing in not only who they've brought in back, like Goldberg and everyone else who's healthy, but you've got to throw in like the, the call-ups we've had since then. I mean, you look at everyone that's been called up since WrestleMania 32, and it's all been a lot of people. Like you have Balor. You have even, maybe even a Samoa Joe if he gets called up before then. You have Enzo and Cass, American Alpha, Bailey. Like, there's a lot of people that that have been called up this year. Um, Sami Zayn officially too was kind of a part of WrestleMania 32. But you know what I mean. So, uh, hopefully, 33 is better than 32, all things considered. Okay, so real quick sidebar: Who do you think was the best call up of this year from from NXT? Um, I mean, I know I know some got called up a little earlier. Some got called up at after WrestleMania. So some guys have been there a little longer, but top to bottom, looking at where they at now, who was the best call-up? That's a great question. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of good ones. I think Balor could have been a lot more than what he was, obviously, because he got hurt. I think mm-hmm. it probably would have gone with Balor, Balor had he not gotten hurt. And I might be missing out on a few people. And American Alpha has been good, but they didn't really start to hit their stride until they won the belt on Tuesday. Um, honestly, I might even go with Enzo and Cass, or not Enzo and Cass, they've kind of died to death too, they've really kind of floundered, but uh, Alexa Bliss, 
I mean, she won the okay. SmackDown Women's title. She's been great. So either Alexa Bliss or Baron Corbin, who is also kind of really hitting his stride just recently, more so than the past six months. But he's been really good too. And there's just so many call-ups. It's hard to. Re- it's kind of hard to uh, remember every single one. But uh, yeah, either Alexa Bliss or Baron Corbin. I would say since WrestleMania this past year. Yeah, I would say Corbin, Alexa. Um, to go back to the original question of biggest disappointment, I would say Roadblock because that was just terrible. Um, the club, yeah. the club just, I just think they never got their footing. I mean, no fault of their own, but it was just, they got they got mixed up with the whole New Day stuff and New Day was on, on that tag team reign. Even, even the New Day and their tag team reign was a little disappointing because you just kept seeing them beat every tag team every month, every week, and it was the same thing over and over and over again. So maybe too much New Day, um, as a little disappointment, uh, WrestleMania 32, like you said. Uh, thankfully, we had a, a great triple threat match with Charlotte, uh, Becky, mm. and Sasha Banks. We saw Charlotte Michaels come back looking all jacked at 50 years old. That was kind of cool. Um, yeah. I was, you know, even, you know what? Even Enzo and Cass would have to be a little uh, disappointed because they came on, they came at the WrestleMania on fire. The gimmick was there. But then again, they're a tag team, and they got lost in the shuffle with the whole New Day at that time. And um, maybe, it, I mean, maybe if Enzo does not get hurt in that tag team match with the Vaude Villains, could we see a different uh, Enzo in the cast um, today? Maybe. Maybe that de- derailed them a bit, but hopefully they'll become tag champions next year as well as the club. But um, I would say, yeah, man, I mean, I, there's probably so much more. I don't think the brand split was a disappointment. I think that was uh, something that was desperately needed to get other people um, some some time, some TV time, some opportunities. Um, maybe The Miz not still on pace to break Honky Tonk Man's record. A little disappointing. Um, other than that, man, um, I, I, like you said, I think 2016 was a great year for wrestling. Um, social media-wise, all the shows on the network, um, it just it just so more mainstream nowadays, and um, I think 2017 has a brighter future for them. Absolutely, I mean, every, like like you just said, not only even the on-air product is great all 2016 year round, but you include the network too. Which I mean, it's not saying much. It's only been around since 2014, but 2016 has been by far the best year the network has ever had, just in terms of all the shows they produced. In addition to the, you know, the specials and the pay-per-views and shit like that, but you throw in the first roadblock, not the one that we got earlier this month, but the first roadblock earlier this year, with uh, Triple H and Ambrose, great show. The Cruiserweight Classic, great show throughout the entire summer. You have that new UK tournament coming in a couple weeks, which should also be really, really good. You throw in the Stone Cold podcast, Talking Smack. How can I forget about Talking Smack? Talking Smack has been hands down the greatest show they've done all year MVP. on the network. And that's because of the network. So, again, yeah, I think it's been a great year for the WWE and their network. Um, yeah, there's, they've just done a lot of great things all year round, and I hope they can continue that strong momentum with NXT, with uh, SmackDown especially, and hopefully Raw can get better in the new year too. And and to be clear, I meant the second roadblock as the worst pay-per-view. <laughs> not yeah, not the first yeah. one. The first one was, was a pretty cool, um, had like a, like a big house show kind of feel to it, throwback mm-hmm. old-school pay-per-view. I like that one. This one that happened last week, two weeks ago. No. Um, you just mentioned something. But anyway, um, 
MVP superstars of the year. I mean, it, it's 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 not a superstar, but I think Talkie Smack is an MVP of the year because SmackDown's two hours, Raw's three, but SmackDown kind of feels two and a half because of that extra show on the network with Talking Smack and just having Renee and Daniel Bryan do their thing and having these these inside. Um, interviews and kind of going off the hip and these shoot interviews where you kind of don't know if people are really upset or telling the truth or just playing a character. We saw The Miz probably put on the promo of the year on Talking Smack. Um, Mm -hmm. I think without Talking Smack, I I don't know. I'm not saying it has any uh, anything towards the show itself, uh, SmackDown itself, but that does help where you have like an inside look of what's going on and how people feel and everything. So, um, if we're doing promo of the year, I think The Miz, but um, superstars of the year, let's let's try to pick five. I don't, I don't want to pick just one. Um, I think we all agree AJ Styles. Um, mm-hmm. I think we all agree The Miz. Um, I think we all agree Alexa Bliss. Yep. Okay, that's three. Three out of five. Uh, Kevin Owens? Kevin Owens, yeah, but I put KO in there, yep. Okay, now, Superstar of the Year. We're trying to pick one more. Who who, who am I missing? It's got to be Charlotte. You got to put Charlotte. Right, right. Damn it. Damn it. Right. Charlotte, <laughs> KO, Charlotte, KO, Miz, AJ, and Alexa Bliss. And I think anybody, there's nobody out there that can disagree with that five. I don't think so. I think there's been a lot of good people this year that have had good years. Um, But I think those five stand out above the rest, absolutely. Man, what a year Charlotte had, man. She's been like a four-time champion. She was right in the middle of WrestleMania. Got that new belt at WrestleMania. Um, Headline with, I guess, the rivalry of the year with, with Sasha Banks. Um even their, even some of their matches are considered to be match of the year type quality. Now I gotta ask you, what are your favorite matches of the year? Including NXT, um, there's been a lot of matches. I mean, I just made my whole list a couple of days ago. I put it up on Christmas Day on Bleach Report. My top 25 best WWE matches of 2016, also including NXT, the CWC, the Cruiserweight Class, whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of good ones. All 25 matches on my list are not pretty good matches. They're all great matches. So it's hard to say, and it's all subjective, obviously. But for my top three or five, uh, Kodai Ibushi and Cedric Alexander from the CWC was by far the best CWC match there, there was, in my opinion. Um, that match... Cena and Styles 2 from SummerSlam was amazing. That's that probably, in my opinion, the best main roster match all year. Um, in terms of other NXT matches, Nakamura and Zayn from TakeOver Dallas, Definitely. phenomenal match. DIY and uh, The Revival from TakeOver Brooklyn and Toronto, both matches were among the best of the year. Zayn and Owens from Battleground, amazing. That four-way from Extreme Roles with uh, Zayn Owens, Zayn and Cesaro, amazing. Uh, both matches that Roman and AJ had were phenomenal. So yeah, there's a lot of great matches, and those are among the best in the bunch, in my opinion. Okay. Um, just me writing it down in the last 20 seconds, I would say AJ Cena from SummerSlam, uh, because I was there, and I, I know you were there too. Um, Sami Zayn Nakamura from NXT Dallas. AJ Dean Ambrose from TLC. Mm-hmm. Um even even the Survivor Series match, SmackDown versus Raw uh, on the men's side, uh, that that went on for like a freaking hour. I think that was, you know, they're trying to they they definitely try to kill time 
because they knew Goldberg and Brock was not going that long. But with Shane and Bray and Randy and Seth, and they had a lot of guys, a lot of talent, and just having SmackDown actually win that match um, was was great and surprising. Um, Miz, Dolph Ziggler from No Mercy. Um, and I mean, you can kind of pick any Charlotte Sasha Banks match that they had. Probably the no, I mean, the false count anywhere match on Raw has to be up there. Um, mm-hmm. I like the Iron Woman match. I wasn't too much of a uh, a fan of the Hell in a Cell match that they had. And, yep. Um, I think that's like one, two, three. Yeah, so I got a top six. I know, I know, I'm missing a whole bunch of other ones from Cruiserweight and whatever happened on Raw, SmackDown. Even your your Zayn, Kevin Owens from Battleground has to be up there. Um, the Reigns, AJ for for back to back pay per views uh, was definitely uh, definitely cool. Um, and, I, and I think you mentioned it, the Fatal Four Way for the IC title: Cesaro, Zayn, um, Miz, and was KO right. Mm-hmm. Yep, from Extreme Rules, yeah. Well, there you go, man. I, I think, no matter what, man, I think they had... They oh, Miz had, and Ziggler, too, from No Mercy, I put on there as well. Ah, uh, yeah, Miz, Dolph Ziggler, No Mercy, I, I, that's the one I had. Um, rivalry or rivalries of the year. I, I, aside from Charlotte and Sasha Banks, give me like two or three more rivalries of, of the year. Charlotte and Sasha's up there. I think the only thing I would not say, in my opinion, that was not the feud of the year, just because every match was great. That's not the problem. Uh-huh. But, and they also made an event at a pay-per-view for the first time. The only thing I did not like about that feud is the fact that Charlotte always won on a pay-per-view and Sasha always <laughs> won on Raw. Yeah. That killed it towards the end. And they really kind of just really just drove that thing into the ground to the point where it was like, okay, let's move on already. Still in my top three feuds of the year, I would say, if not top five. Um, but other great feuds, you got to put Zane and Owens in there for as long as it lasted, always having great matches and that phenomenal payoff at uh, Battleground was great, like I said before. That feud DIY and Revival from NXT, Joe and Finn Balor earlier on this year was pretty good. In my opinion, the feud of the year, I would say John Cena and AJ Styles. And that's still going on to this day, but for the moment they interacted for the first time back on Memorial Day, their first match in Money the Bank, which was just a magical atmosphere. Their second match at SummerSlam, in my opinion, as I said earlier, the best main roster match of 2016 to where we are now. Um, great promos, phenomenal matches, a dream view that not only met but exceeded people's expectations. So I'd have to go see Nin Styles as the feud of the year. But like I said, um, uh, Sasha and Charlotte, I would have put up their revival DIY. I'd put uh, the other one that I said earlier. I forgot was Zane Owens and also... Oh, fuck, what was the other one? Uh, Miz and Ziggler, too, on SmackDown. A couple there you go. I was, I was waiting for that one. I was waiting for that one. <laughs> no, I'm going to forget. Um, but, yeah, that match is on. That feud is on there, too. Definitely one of the best of the year. Definitely, man. I think we've seen a lot of great matches. Some some, some few good pay-per-views, some great. Um, we do have next the Royal Rumble. I think we're about three, four weeks away from that. So that should be good. So far, we only have KO. And Reigns with Jericho and some cage hanging up there for for the Universal title. Right now we have AJ Styles and John Cena for the WWE Championship. Of course, the Royal Rumble match with Goldberg and and Brock Lesnar in there. So, question: Do you think they go thirty or forty? 
says you know there's a lot of talent they might bring us some some legends some some nxt guys do you think they go the, the traditional 30 or do you think for, for for this year they go to 40 i think that's the question every year that's been the question ever since 2011 when they did it um i would stick with 30 i think 40 is too long i mean but then again i could see them doing it just because the show will be four hours long for the first time ever i think that's been confirmed i'm not exactly sure but i'm pretty sure it will be I wish it wasn't, but it probably will be. But, yeah, no, I would just go at 30, man, just because I felt like 40. While it was cool for that one year back in 2011, the only real reason they did it was just because they had the core and the nexus, which we ended up like 10 people right there. Right. Um, but, yeah, I would stick with just 30 just because you could do 15 from Raw, 15 from SmackDown, the occasional Legends appearance, which you can have them sign for the Raw or SmackDown, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I would just do 30. But, I mean, I wouldn't hate it if they did 40 as long as it was done right. And the first NXT call-up in 2017 will be who? Samoa Joe. I mean, I think there's really no no doubt about it. I, mean, I think Nakamura is ready, but he's champion currently. And uh, obviously, he, he'll probably be down there for a little while longer. Not that he's not ready. It's just because he's. I think he's champion right now, so he'll probably be down there through at least WrestleMania. Um, I guess there's a chance that Bobby Roode loses a takeover. There's a chance he could be called up the next night in the Rumble. I doubt it, but... I mean, fucking Samoa Joe's been in it for two years at this point. There's nothing left for him to do, literally. He's already won the title twice. He's beaten everybody. It's time for him to be called up to SmackDown to Raw where he belongs, preferably SmackDown. Maybe Raw. It doesn't really matter. Um, I would love to see him in the blue brand, though, but it's got to be Samoa Joe in the Rumble. All right, last question. Do you think that we should have, or not should have, do you think that we get Kurt Angle in the Rumble match, or do you think we get Kurt Angle just popping up on live TV and him getting a WrestleMania match? It's probably him just popping up at on live TV. I don't know if it's going to be the next couple months. I know he said earlier today, not like outright on social media, but I know it was rumored or reported or whatever that he, uh, he might be back around WrestleMania time, like after Mania in April. But, I mean, they'd be dumb not to bring him back for fucking WrestleMania. If they want as much star power as possible, they bring him back in time for WrestleMania for a match against Styles or someone on Raw or whatever, or someone on SmackDown. It doesn't really matter. But, um, yeah, no, I, don't, I don't know if the, the chances of a Rumble appearance are too big, but they are in the Alamo Dome, and they really want to make it the most memorable and biggest Rumble match ever. And if they want to do that, they'd bring back Angle in the Rumble match, which people have been dreaming of for years. So um, it's definitely possible, but I think it's more likely we do see him pop up on TV. Maybe after Mania, but I think they'd be dumb not to try to bring him in before then for a match at WrestleMania. And you would almost think that Kurt Angle being a, a, a loyal SmackDown guy, that he would, when he returns, if he returns, he'll be on the SmackDown brand, right? I'd hope so. I mean, like I said earlier, Raw already has, you know, Goldberg and Brock. So right. if you got those two part-timers on Raw, I think even now you got Taker on SmackDown, and you bring in Kurt Angle as well. I think it only makes sense. And the matches you can have with people on SmackDown, including, you know, uh, The Miz even, or AJ Styles is an obvious one, Dean Ambrose, all those guys, um, maybe even Daniel. Like, the interaction between Daniel Bryan and Kurt Angle alone wouldn't be worth it for him on the blue brand. Um, so, yeah, I would totally love to see him on SmackDown. Graham Matthews, my man, always a pleasure. Uh, great work on Hidden Remote, Bleacher Report. Uh, you can follow Graham on Twitter at WrestleRant and check him out on WrestleRant. Radio, we always do this every week. Two out of three falls here on the Cruise Control Podcast. Lots of wrestling to get to uh, for 2017. Royal Rumble is next. Graham, always appreciate it, man. 
Absolutely, Randy. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on the show. As always, been a great 2016 talk. And the past six months, time has absolutely flown by. But uh, I'll catch you down the road in the new year, brother. All right, man. Thank you. Yeah, man. Happy New Year. All right, same to you.